Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you. I'd like to echo the well wishes that have already uh, come from the stage, is that all of you had a great Thanksgiving, and we're looking forward to a wonderful holiday season. I want to talk about a subject today that uh, you may not think is one that we would normally bring up at this time of year, but I think it's very appropriate, and I think we need to uh, spend some time on it. It's actually a two-part sermon, uh, but we're going to have a guest speaker next week, so uh, maybe we can come back after him. Maurice Hooks from uh, the Kansas City Church will be joining us next week. To, to, to preach for us. Uh, but uh, today I want to talk about, you know, we've been doing this overcoming series. Today I want to talk about overcoming sin. Overcoming sin. This is a time of the year when though we may be on holiday, the devil is not. And he's always looking for an opportunity, a way to get into our lives. So uh, also, uh, we don't want to go into 2017 with 2016 baggage. We want to leave it behind us and to go into a new year uh, with a clear conscience, with our hearts uh, having been cleansed by the, the blood of Jesus, and just be able to get off to a new start uh, with, with nothing holding us back and, and, and no clouds over us. So let's pray together, and then we're going to get into this subject for a few minutes, and hopefully uh, you'll be encouraged. Let's pray together. God and Father in heaven, thank you so much that you are our deliverer, uh, that through you we've, we have the answer to sin, we have the answers to life, we have the answers to death. Uh, thank you that you give us hope beyond this world. And Father, I know that even in this life you want us to be more than conquerors. You want us to be victorious over sin. You want us to live lives worthy of Jesus. And we pray that you would fill us with your spirit. You would give us deep conviction and give us hearts to obey your word, God, to glorify you in every situation in which we find ourselves. Teach us how to overcome temptation and sin and, and how to be the people that you've called us to be. Bless our time together today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just to get us started, the scriptures make it clear that... We all sin. There is no one who's ever lived except one who's not fallen into sin, that being Jesus. So let me give you a few scriptures. The reason that I want to give us these scriptures is because it's very important that we all have a healthy perspective on sin, both to get the help that we need as well as to be able to help others. If we humbly understand how sin works, then we're able to overcome it and we're able to help others. If we're self-righteous or if we deny that we sin, then we set ourselves up to fall and we're inadequate to be able to provide the help that others need as well. So just to, to give you some scriptures here, Romans 3.23, which is a classic scripture that everybody knows on sin, says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That that's all mankind, all men, all women, all of us have sinned in some way and have fallen short of the glory of God. 
the good news is that we're justified freely through the blood of Jesus. Uh, kings, uh, I can't remember which kings it is. I, I left off the first or the second kings, but uh, first kings, okay, I'll, I'll let you, he tells me it's first kings. First kings 846 says, for there is no one who does not sin. That's just a part of that scripture there. No one who does not sin. We're all in the same category. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 20. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 20 says, There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. Now you may have thought that you were in the category of the righteous man who does, who never does wrong and does not sin. Sorry to disappoint you. This is where we all stand. Uh, Isaiah 53 verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We've all turned away from God, committed transgressions. God laid on Jesus all of our transgressions, all of our iniquities, but we deliberately turned away from him, and he deliberately saved us through the cross. Psalm 130, verse 3. Psalm 130, verse 3 says, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Aren't you thankful this morning that God doesn't keep a record of your sins? And that that record is erased. But the fact of the matter is, you have a record. We all have a record. And you can't sit here and say, well, your record is longer than my record. Any record, the wages of sin is death. Whether it's one or one million, the penalty is the same. The eternal penalty is the same. Uh, the consequences may be different. And preferably in another message, we'll get to talk about that. Psalm 143, verse 2, says, Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. Our righteousness is through Jesus. And when we stand before God, he will see the righteousness of Jesus and not our sin. Because we're not righteous in and of ourselves. And then James 3 verse 2 says, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. And the reason I included that one is because we all stumble at times. Definitely in things that we say, probably even more so in things that we think, in thoughts. And evil thoughts is on the list of sins as well. So the, the question today is not do we all sin. The question is do we all know how to move past our sins? Do we know how to get on the other side of it and to live lives where sin no longer dominates us, where sin no longer entraps us? or keeps us stuck in a place where we can't go on and be effective for God. We've got to know how to overcome sin in our lives. Because it's a daily challenge. And oftentimes it's a daily occurrence. These scriptures are not an excuse for sin. The Bible doesn't say that we've all sinned so that we can all just go, well, hey, I couldn't help it. You know, we're all in the same boat. These scriptures are meant... To help us to know our sinful nature. To be on guard. 
to realize that I've got to deal with myself and my sin and always be ready to, to count on God helping me through it, as well as to understand the greatness of the gift of the grace of God, the forgiveness of God and the blood of Jesus. They're also there to help us to see that if I understand that I'm a sinner and I'm humbled by that, it puts me in a better position to be able to help other people when they sin. Sometimes we don't know how to help other people when they sin. We, we become self-righteous. We, we don't have the sympathy and compassion in our hearts that we need to have. Or we, or we go way to the other extreme where we uh, condone it and, and we sympathize in a way or we become sentimental in a way that we should not be. So we've got to understand how to help others and have the right attitude. And the fact that I'm a sinner, when I sit down with you, I start with the fact that if you can fall, I can fall. But if you can overcome, I can overcome. If I can overcome, you can overcome. So let's talk about, just for a few minutes, how to overcome sin. For all have sinned and fall short. There is no one righteous. There's no one who's not sinned. We're all in the same category. We want to welcome you this morning to the body of sinners who've been saved by the blood of Jesus. Thank you for being with us. Point number one. You're going to love this one. Number one, come clean. Come clean. Can I get an amen? Amen. Come clean with God. Come clean with others. So Sam, what do you mean by come clean? Get honest. Get open. Don't cover it up. Don't be deceitful. Don't lie. Don't think you can sweep it under the rug and that you'll get away with it. Come clean. God already knows. He's already seen it. You can't mock God. You can't deceive God. You can't hide from God. And it's better to come clean in this life than to face God on the day of judgment when it's too late, when you will have to come clean. Proverbs 28:13 says, He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Do you believe that? That if you conceal your sin, you will not prosper. You, you will not succeed. You will not be blessed by God if you cover up your sin. Now, we, we, we've got to understand that the person that I'm most concerned about being righteous before is God. That I want God to know that I fear Him, that I resent, re, revere Him. Therefore, I'm not going to try to be deceitful. I'm not going to act like he doesn't know. I'm going to come clean before my God and ask for his forgiveness and remain humble and, and, and remain humble before him each and every day. God sees me as I really am. So I want to come clean before him. Psalm 32. David wrote this. Psalm 32, verse 1. He says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit is no 
What does he say, church? No what? No deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we're concerned about what other people are going to think of us. Maybe it's because we think that over time, maybe the sin will go away. Maybe we think we can get away with it. But it's so hard for us sometimes to come clean. It's so hard for us sometimes just to admit that we've sinned, that we've fallen short. And I want to encourage you here in 2016, don't go into 2017 with unconfessed sin in your heart. Don't remain deceitful. Don't remain in darkness. Don't continue to live that double secret life, that double life. Don't do it. Deal with it. And, you know, the the longer we're in the faith, it seems the harder it is for us to really get honest about where we are. Because it's almost like we've, we've built up this, this Christian image where now I'm, I'm an older Christian and, and maybe I'm in leadership or maybe people see me a certain way. Look, don't get caught up in that. The thing you, mo- you should be most concerned about is how does God see me? How does God see me? Therefore, I want to be honest and get real with God. Now is the time. And when you come clean, come all the way clean. Don't just confess in stages. Get it all out. Now, if you go to the doctor and he says you have cancer and he tells you we can operate, we can do one operation and get it all out, or we can do five operations and get a bit by bit, which are you going to choose? Man, just get it all out. Says we're not going to get it. We're just going to leave a little bit in there. No, don't leave a little bit in there. Get it all out. Sin of the cancer. Get it all out. I mean, this, our God is a forgiving God. And, and, and really, when you don't deal with it, look at what he says here. He says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Sin takes away your joy. It takes away your peace of mind. It burdens you with guilt. You can't even sometimes even look people in the eye. You don't want to be around spiritual people because you think maybe they're going to detect something about you. You know, because darkness doesn't want to be with light. But when you're walking in the light, you want to be with the light. You go to bed with a clear conscience. You get a good night's sleep. You wake up feeling good. But when you're burdened with sin and you're keeping a secret... From God and from your wife and from your children and from close friends. It just burdens you. And it's not the way God created us to live. Remember when you first got baptized into Christ, you went out into the water, you came up, all your sins were washed away, you never felt better in your life. And you can feel that way every day if you go to God and say, God, forgive me, I have sinned against you. And I want to get it right. Come clean with God. I really want you to think about it. 
as you as you end this year, even today, you may need to pull somebody aside and say, I need to talk. It's been a rough year. And I've been covering up some things in my life I've been afraid to talk about. Maybe it's been the internet. Maybe it's been something on the job, somebody on the job. Maybe it's been something that's happened in your personal finances. I don't know. You know. Maybe it's it's your anger. Maybe it's resentment and bitterness in your heart. I don't know. I'm telling you, get it out. Come clean. Deal with it. Some may be surprised. None of us will be shocked that you are a sinner. Welcome to the club. Get it dealt with. Come clean with God. Come clean with others. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You know, there, there's always some controversy over forgiveness or, or confession of sin. And I mentioned it a couple of weeks. I said that you don't need to confess to others to be forgiven. And, and I got some reaction to that. Really, the reason I said that is because only God can give forgiveness of sins. Only the blood of Jesus can wash away your sins. Now, if I sin against my wife, I need to ask her for her forgiveness. But whether she forgives me or not, God will forgive me if I repent, if I confess and repent. And when you don't forgive someone, that's you're just putting yourself in, in a difficult position. Because if you don't forgive, then God won't forgive you. So we're dealing with two different things here. But if, if a sin is dogging my life, then I need to be open with good friends who can help me and hold me accountable and keep me on the, on the straight and narrow, right? That's the reason I do it, is because I want my friends to help me overcome my sin. Not because they're my priest. Not because I feel like I gotta go and, and, and talk to them to be forgiven. I go and talk to them because I trust them. I want them in my life. God put me in this body, in this fellowship, because He knows I'll do better if I have brothers and sisters holding up my arms and encouraging me as I deal with temptation. It's good to have friends in your life who will ask you, how are you dealing with lust? How are you dealing with your anger? How'd you do this week? Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. It's good to have that. I know that you're struggling in your marriage. How'd you do this week? I know that that one child in your family is driving you crazy. How'd you do this week? You need people like that in your life. That's what the body of Christ is all about. We're not here to be superficial and to play games. We're here to get into one another's lives and help us overcome sin in our lives. So we confess our sins to each other. To get help. And oftentimes when you confess your sins, most people can tell you, I understand what you're going through. And you know, as we confess, it brings us all down to the same level of of realizing, you know what, if you're going to be humble, then I need to be humble too. Let me tell you what I'm working on. And you can pray for in my life. One of the great things about the men's retreat is we had time like that at that retreat. Remember, brothers? where we just went off and we confessed our sins to one another. Well, there shouldn't be something that we do once a year at a men's retreat. 
It should be something that we do often. And let me tell you, oftentimes in a fellowship this size, there are men and women who are sitting in this audience concealing things, thinking somehow that they can keep the image that they have and not ever be found out. The Bible says your sin will find you out. We encourage you, come clean today. Am I right, church? Come clean. Matthew 5.23 says this, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. What is God saying here? God is saying, look, if, if you're here, you're, you're taking communion, you're here, you're giving your contribution, and, and you're thinking, well, I just want to just continue to go through the motions and just live the Christian life. He says, no, 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 no. Stop. If, if there's a sin that you have, something you have against your brother or your sister, you need to go get right. You need to go and confess. You need to go and get reconciled. And then come offer your gift. He's not diminishing the significance of the gift. He's saying, I just don't want you playing games. I'm not interested in you being religious. I'm not interested in you going through the motions. I am interested in you getting your heart right with God and with men. That's the priority. Get it right. Number one, come clean. Come clean today. Come all the way clean. Get it out. Don't let Satan deceive you. Don't let that devil dog your feet. Don't go into 2017 having held back. Come clean today. Number two, take responsibility. I got a few amens on that. Take responsibility. Don't make excuses. And don't blame others. Don't say the devil made you do it. Because he did not. When David sinned against Bathsheba, he covered it up for quite a while. God sent Nathan to him. Nathan confronted him. You know what David said when when Nathan confronted him? This is what he said. In 2 Samuel 12, verse 13, it says, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Period. He didn't add anything else to it. He said, he didn't say I've sinned against the Lord, but you know what? I wouldn't have if Bathsheba hadn't been out there baby. And I wouldn't have if her husband had been home with her. And I wouldn't have if, if I wasn't tired from going off the war all those years and felt like I needed to stay home. And I hadn't, and I wouldn't have if you hadn't created women so beautiful. Sometimes we can come up with the lamest excuses. That we lose our temper and we say, well, it's everybody else's fault that made you lose your temper. Well, you could have walked away. The Lord always provides a way out. You know what the scriptures say? God always provides a way out. We don't always take the way out. You know, I can't blame my wife for my sin. I'd like to. That's what, that's what, uh, that's what happened with, with Adam and Eve. Who did Adam blame? He blamed God. Said the woman that you gave me, you gave her to me. I didn't ask for her. I just woke up and there she was. It was his fault. 
He was there when she was there talking to the, to the, to the serpent. He was there. And he should have snatched him by the hand and said, you know what, girl, this is over. We ain't having this conversation. But that's not what he did. But we're always looking for a way to blame others. We, you know, it's, it's, it's comforting. It's good for your soul. It's refreshing. When you just admit, it was my fault. I have no excuse. I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have said it. Please forgive me. God, forgive me. I have no excuse. It's so hard for us to go there sometimes. Because we think it's somebody. We really think, well, it's really them, not me. And I got news for you. You'll never get past it if you don't take responsibility. Psalm 51, verse 4, David said in, in confessing the sin that he committed against Bathsheba, with Bathsheba, confessing to God, he said, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Against you and you only, God, I've sinned against you. I'm sorry. It's my fault. That's the way out. That's how you get past it. You can't even blame the environment. You can't blame the community. You can't say, well, I would be, I wouldn't sin as much if I didn't live in the Bronx. If I, if I move to Florida, I'll be less of a sinner. No, you won't. Because you're taking you with you. It's us. Luke 15, verse 21. Remember the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son? What happened? The son said on his way home, the son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Why did the father embrace him? Look at his heart. I have sinned against heaven and against you. It's my fault. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I need your forgiveness. That's what that parable is all about, how God will welcome us back. God will forgive us. He will cover over all our sins. But we have to get to the place where we say, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy. Please forgive me. When you get there, that's godly sorrow. That's what God's looking for. And that is a spiritual high in your life when you get there. But if you can't get there, then devil is still, he's still going to ransack your life. He's going to overcome your, in your life. We got to get there. James 1 verse 13 says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God doesn't tempt us. He allows temptation, but you know, look what the rest of it says. But each one is tempted when by what? His own evil desire. He is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You know, this is good news. That when I sin, it's, 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 it's on me. Because if my sin is controlled by things outside of me, then how do I overcome it? How can I get past something that I don't have control over? 
How can I overcome sin if it's the devil that's making me do it or my wife is making me do it or, or the community that's making me? How do you get past that? And what God is saying, it's on you. And because it's on you, you can overcome it. You can, you can be forgiven of it and you can move past it. But you got to take personal responsibility. Are we ready this morning to take personal responsibility for our sin? It's me. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's on me. And I tell you, I have to work at that. Can anybody relate? I have to work at it. You know, my wife is sharp, man. Sometimes I wish she wasn't so sharp, but she she just, it's hard to get anything by her. And and I think God has given us, a lot of us, either wives or people like that in our lives, who read right through us, who, who just the first thing they tell us is, why are you being defensive? And what do we say? I'm not being defensive. I'm just explaining myself. Why, why can't you just say, I was wrong. Forgive me. Come clean. Deal with it. Take personal responsibility. Man, nobody else made you throw, throw that pot or that pan or that glass or whatever you have to have. You can't go blaming everybody else. But they took my hand and they pulled it up and they made it go. A demon in you made you do that? Are you crazy? It was you. No one's running your mouth. You said those words. It came out of your heart. Own it. Take responsibility. Well, if you were in this family or my situation, then you'd be going out of your mind too. Everybody's got a situation. Everyone's got dysfunctional family members. Everybody. Thanksgiving wasn't all that great for everybody. Some people were glad that they got in and got out alive this Thanksgiving. It's not all glory and gracious. Life is hard. Family is hard. People are hard. Co-workers are hard. The city is hard. Sins all around. It's hard for all of us. You're not a special case. You're just like the rest of us. And we're all fighting it every day. So take responsibility. Say the words. I was wrong. I did it. No excuse. Are you with me there? Number three. Ask for and accept God's grace and forgiveness. Ask for and accept God's grace and forgiveness. This may not be a problem for you. But some people have a hard time forgiving themselves. In getting past stuff. Some of us have a hard time forgetting and forgiving the sins that others have committed against us. Whatever it may be. And the reason that God sent Jesus is so that there would be no condemnation. So that when we sinned, we would be able to get forgiveness 
and to move past it. See, because Satan's weapon is guilt and, and depression and hopelessness. He wants you to think that you cannot get past this and that there's no hope for you and there's no way out and that you, you, you know what you are? You are forever enslaved to sin. And you don't deserve to be a Christian. And you don't deserve God's goodness and God's love. And, and God doesn't really love you anyway. Look at you. You wretched, pitiful, poor, blind sinner you are. And there's no hope for you. Don't even try again. Just go on back to the world and live the way you were living. That's what Satan wants you to think. And I want you to, I want you to read this scripture with me. Psalm 103, verse 1. Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my almost, all inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Is that true? Does God forgive all of our sins? Absolutely. And when does he forgive all your sins? The minute you ask him. The minute you confess. The minute you repent. The very second. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Did you get that? He redeems us from the pit. He wants to crown us with love and compassion. God wants us to realize that even in the midst of our sin as we're struggling, I love you. I have compassion for you. Come on back home. Be with me. Do not let this sin conquer your life. Because my love is greater than any sin. He goes on and says, who satisfy your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's the way God wants us to be each and every day. The, Lord's, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his way to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. And you know, the people of Israel, they were a headache. They were not easy to deal with. I don't know how God put up with them. But he did. Year after year after year. He told Moses, I think I should wipe them all out and start over with you. And Moses said, Lord, no, 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 don't do that. And eventually he did, but he did it his own way. They marched around in the desert forever. But God was compassionate toward them. In verse, nine, in verse 8 it says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. And the church said, thank you, Lord Jesus. Slow to anger. Abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Can I get an amen on that? God knows that's the good news right there. That God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Because you know what sin deserves? Death. And yet, says, well, Sam, how many times will the Lord forgive me? As many times as you confess and repent. Matter of fact, sometimes you sin and you don't even know you sin, and the Lord still forgives you. Sometimes we don't even know that we stuff that we did. I mean, I did a lot of things, but until I started reading the Bible, I didn't even know some things I was doing was sin. The Bible opened my eyes. I went, that's a sin too? An evil thought is a sin? How do you deal with that? Set your mind on things above. 
In verse 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Accept God's forgiveness in your life. Don't talk it to death. Don't beat it to death. Accept it. Say, God, please forgive me, and he will. And then don't doubt it. Put on the helmet of salvation. And know that you're saved. Now sometimes we go, well, did he really forgive me? Or, or should I cry? Well, you can. But it doesn't get you more forgiven if you cry. Or if you don't. Some of us are criers and some of us are not. Well, uh, do, should, should, I, should I beat myself up? Why? What, what is that going to do? Should I walk around looking sorrowful and, and sad? Why? If you're forgiven, you should look the opposite. Now, there are consequences, and, and, and I wish we had time to talk about it. But here's what you've got to understand. I'll say this much about it. Forgiveness is instant. The consequences may not be. But no matter what the consequences, you still can be forgiven. Some of us are still dealing with consequences of sins we committed before we came to Christ. And those consequences will follow us the rest of our lives. But the consequences of sin do not prevent the forgiveness of sin. The sin is what... David suffered the consequences of his sin with Bathsheba. That child died. But he was still forgiven of his sins. So don't let the consequences keep you from believing that God has forgiven you. Don't confuse the two. The good news is today, if you come clean, if you take responsibility, if you open wide your heart to God, He will erase and wipe away all your sin for all time. Today, if you do that, it's done with. And that is a blessing from God that is invaluable. Let me close out with 1 John 1, verse 5, because I think 1 John 1, verse 5 will put things into perspective. It will give us a balance of overcoming sin. 1 John 1, verse 5 starts this way. It says, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light, in him there's no darkness at all. God is holy. It's impossible for God to sin. He cannot coexist with sin. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. See, there's a difference in committing sin and walking in darkness. See, before I became the Christ, I was walking in darkness. After I became a Christian, my sins were forgiven. I started walking in the light. Sam, did you sin anymore after you started walking in the light? Yes. But see, I was walking away from the darkness and walking toward the light. The question this morning is not, are you a sinner? The question is, which direction are you walking? Are you walking in, in the light or are you walking in darkness? 
He goes on and says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' Son purifies us from all sin. And what it really means is that the blood of Jesus continues to purify us. But what do we have to be walking for the blood of Jesus to continue to purify us? We have to be walking where? Walking toward the light. Walking toward the light. If you're walking toward the darkness, then if you deliberately keep on sinning, no, no forgiveness of sins is left for you. But you got to keep walking in the light. Some of us like, well, I, I believe I'm forgiven. Where are you walking? Which direction are you walking? So I know I'm saved. If you walk in the light, you know you're saved. you got to be headed in the right direction. Sam, practically what does that mean? That means that I'm involved in the body of Christ. I'm involved in daily Bible study. I'm involved in prayer. I'm involved in trying to help other people become Christians. I'm doing the things that the Bible commands me to do as a Christian. I'm walking toward Jesus. And as long as I'm walking in that, says, well, do you stumble and fall in that walk? Yeah, I stumble. And if I fall, Jesus picks me up because I'm walking toward him. And I'm no longer walking towards sin and the devil. This, that's, that's a great promise. So I'm covering the blood of Jesus. When God looks at me, you know what he sees? Holy. He doesn't see any sin. Because I'm covering the blood of Jesus. When I stand before him on the day of judgment, you know how he's going to see me? Perfect. Holy. You know why? Because I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. And if you're covering the blood of Jesus, nothing can touch you. Not even death can touch you. Satan can't touch you. Sin can't touch you. But for you to be covered in the blood of Jesus, you got to walk where? Walk where, church? Walking in the light. John, 1 John 1, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, isn't this good news here? He is faithful and just. And will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He says, if you come clean, he'll purify you. Wash away all your sins. If we claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word had no, has no place in our lives. In other words, don't walk around here saying you have no sin. Come on. Who are you kidding? We know better. You should know better. Now listen at 1 John 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, accidentally, just in case, which we all fall into this category, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. You know the picture that he paints here? He said, every time you sin, you know what Satan does? He says, God, you see that? You see what they did? I told you. I know you saved them, but look at him. Look at her. Bitter, evil, angry. Look at him. I mean, didn't make it to midweek. What you going to do? Didn't give the contribution. What you going to do with him? Look at him. Look at him. 
I mean, stumbling, falling, bumbling. Look, 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 look at that man. They fought. Thanksgiving weekend, they had a fight. What you going to do, Father? Talking about they saved. They're not saved. Look at them. You should condemn them all. You know what Jesus is doing? He's standing there. He's your lawyer. He stands in your defense. And he says, that one's mine. Forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. I defend them. They're under me. They're under my blood. They're, they're in my house. Yes, I believe they need to repent. They need to confess. They will change. But he stands in your defense. He stands there beside the Father, defending you all the way to judgment. But you got to walk in the light. You got to confess. You got to take responsibility. And nothing can touch you. This, this, is a, this has been an interesting year. A year that maybe some of us want to remember and maybe a year that some of us want to forget. I don't know. But I know you need to start 2017 with a clean slate. And that starts today. Humble out. Don't leave this fellowship like you normally would leave. The runoff, the watch the Giants or... The Jets, which is a waste of time. Uh, or to catch up on your favorite group of housewives, whoever they may be. But today, this week, this month, get it right. Lord willing, in the, in the, in the days ahead, we'll talk about praying for limited fallout because there is a fallout sometimes for sin and using past failures as motivation and believing in God's power to overcome sin but today today come clean take responsibility and ask God to bless you with his grace and his forgiveness Let's be aware of Satan's schemes. And let's commit to overcoming sin today. God bless.